This is Making Shift Happen, and I'm your host, Jen Cates. Over the years, I've coached hundreds of clients to find their ideal self through the way they nourish their bodies and minds, and now I'm here to help pass on these same strategies to you. So let's stop the madness and get your results once and for all. Let's go. Hello, fam. Welcome to another episode of Making Shift Happen. Today, I'm excited because I'm talking about... uh, I'm excited every week. Who am I? Who am I kidding? Um, but no, I'm particularly excited because this is something that I feel is just a common theme in everything, especially as I'm even doing enrollment for the Shred Strong program right now. Uh, and check the link in the bio. I'm gonna go ahead and plug it now. But check in the link, the link in the bio if you want to learn more about that. Uh, we start November sixth, so Monday, 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 Monday. But all too often, uh, interference effect and. I'm I'm hearing more and more about it on social media. I'm getting you know tagged in stuff. I'm getting uh, stuff forwarded to me a lot lately, and I don't know what it is. I you know I think I think it's because lately, especially as the seasons change, you know winter's starting to come here. It is here in Denver. Uh, we've got a massive snowstorm coming, but with seasons changing, I think folks consider strength training especially if they're an endurance athlete, like a cyclist or a runner or whatnot, they just might be thinking about it a little bit more. So I think that maybe they're just, they're just contemplating it. They're contemplating the possibility of it, but then at the same time, they're just worried about overtraining. So interference effect. I'm going to talk about that today, whether it's fact or fiction, uh, myth or reality, I don't know, truth or dare. I'm kidding about the last one, but seriously, it is such a hot topic. Um, but here's the thing. Let me explain it first in case you're wondering what the hell is the interference effect. There's basically what's called the interference effect between resistance and endurance training. It's the idea, uh, the idea basically of interference effect usually stems in discussions around concurrent or what we call hybrid training, which is a lot of what I do in my own personal training. It's what 100% of my clients do that I work with uh, because I am a strength coach and an endurance coach. So I'm combining the two. I'm trying to combine the two as effectively as possible for the given athlete because everything depends on the athlete. All right. But interference effect is usually revolving. It's always revolving around the idea of concurrent or hybrid training which is when you pair endurance training alongside strength or resistance training, okay? It's the idea basically that one form of training has the potential to interfere with the other. So for example, if you're an endurance athlete, you know, especially a cyclist, for example, you probably shouldn't lift or strength train, you know, especially on the same days that you do your endurance training, right? And if you're a strength athlete, then you're going to lose your strength gains, bro. You know, especially if you do any form of endurance training, especially if you're doing it on the same day as a strength workout. So, you know, it's literally to the point that I see strength athletes on social media literally taking pride in the fact that they don't do cardio at all. You know, and of course, generally speaking, they're power lifters and, you know, they're, they're lifting for maximum output, right? Maximum weight maximum force. Unfortunately, this is the thing is you have these strength athletes taking pride in the fact that they don't do cardio at all, or, or better yet, they, that they lift, that they just lift weights faster for cardio, quote unquote. I'm doing air quotes, by the way. Um, you know, but my question is since when is it cool to, to not have a sound cardiovascular engine or endurance, you know, seriously, who wants to be breathless when they're going up a flight of stairs? 
Who wants to be breathless when they're playing with the kids? Who wants to be breathless when they're just doing their daily activities of living? All right. Um, you know, since when is it cool to not have longevity on your side? Or, or you know what? Better yet, better yet, better yet, health span. And if you've heard me talk about health span, it's, it, you know, it's because I have in a prior episode, if you missed it, I'll basically summarize it here. But, but health span means that longevity, longevity is cool and all. I mean, you know, who doesn't want to live as long as possible, right? But it's a better idea, in my opinion, to strive for a, a more ideal health span, you know, meaning that you're living a long time, but you're living that, that length of time with vigor and, and more capability with your body you know, depending on your able-bodiedness, right? But you're, you're just able to basically get off the floor, you know, with ease. You're, you're able to, to pick yourself off at the ground with ease. You're, you're basically preventing yourself from getting into a, uh, home care facility, you know, for long-term care. Um, and again, this is just speaking for someone who is an able-bodied individual. Okay. But that's the idea is health span versus longevity, right? You know, and, and, I mean, to me, in my opinion, regardless of what type of strength sport you're doing, if you are a power lifter, hey, more power to you, fun intended. Um, you know, I mean, my my uncle was a bodybuilder. My other uncle was a power lifter. Uh, they still did cardio, bro. You know, they still did cardio. They didn't do it enough uh, because there was a point in time where they did fall in line with the interference effect, you know, and one of my uncles has had a Widowmaker heart attack, so I'm just going to leave it there. You know, you can kind of, uh, he's, he's still alive. You know, I'm not, I'm not speaking about him in the, in the past tense. He's still with us. Um, but you know, I can't help but think as a coach that in the eighties, especially when he was really lifting heavy and really in the, in the throes of bodybuilding, when he was diminishing you know, cardio and, and wasn't necessarily doing cardio because yeah, he was worried about it impacting his strength, his overall strength. Did that have an impact on his cardio? You know, did that have an impact on his cardio health? Um, you know, I mean, we can think of other famous bodybuilders who did the same thing and you can't help but kind of think, can we say it for sure? No, we can't. And I'm not going to, you know, um, trying not to imply anything, but it does make me press pause, especially for me because it is in my family. Um, and maybe you're in the same situation with, with family history and things like that. But anyways, so back to the interference effect. Um, historically, now we're talking back in 1980, I think was the first year that we really had the first study done on interference effect. Um, uh, oh man, I am blanking. Uh, da, 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 Hickson, I think. If I'm not mistaken, was the the physiologist's last name? Uh, I'll throw some things in the show notes in case you want to, you know, nerd out with me. But that was again, that was back in like 1980. So this is over 40 years ago. Back then, historically, you know, with the first studies, especially that were done on concurrent training, exercise physiologists used to believe that there was a deleterious or a detrimental interference effect associated with concurrent or hybrid training. Okay. The reason for that, and I'm just going to explain this as basically as I can, just because I think it's pretty cool. Um, and it's kind of empowering to kind of know, you know, in in case someone at a party, I don't know, starts talking about the interference effect. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you don't go to the same parties I go to, but, um, now the reason for that 
is because it was believed that doing any type of higher intensity, like, you know, you're thinking hit and stuff like that, or any type of longer duration endurance workouts on the same day, especially as your strength workout would hinder mTORC1. All right. mTORC1 basically is a crucial component of um, signaling protein for muscle protein synthesis, aka MPS. You've, you've heard me talk about this, but MPS, if you've heard me talk about this before, it's basically muscle growth, which is a stereotypical adaptation that you want to get from strength training. You know, muscle growth happens. You might be seeking bigger muscles or you just might be seeking to get stronger with strength training. Um, I know for me personally, I don't really seek to, you know, to get muscles that just kind of happens just because genetics um but for me i'm trying to get stronger personally maybe that's your case too with strength training uh, but for me it's always strength training and you know power building things like that from the strength training so mtorc1 right you got that that little bad boy then alternatively you have ampk all right uh, oh god ampk is adenosine uh, monophosphate activated protein kinase, I think. Oh my God, please don't. All right. I know I've got a couple of exercise physiology friends who listen to my podcast. Please don't like burn me at the stake. Okay. If I effed that up, I think I got it right though. Um, I think I got it right. But anyways, regardless, AMPK. All right. So you have mTORC on the, on one side of things, and then you have AMPK. The cool thing with AMPK it's signaled when we do any type of aerobic training, any type of endurance training. It it, it basically uh, regulates energy metabolism and it, it kind of triggers a whole cascade response for like preventing ATP depletion, aka bonking, things like that, energy stuff, uh, as well as a few other th- signals that all help your body basically adapt to endurance training, okay? So you have mTORC on one side of things with you know, muscle protein synthesis, you know, building muscle, muscle growth. And then you have AMPK on the other side of things. Now, some study studies showed that AP, AMPK blocks mTOR signaling. And this is how the term interference effect was basically created. All right. So there's that interference between the two things. Not ideal. All right. So hopefully I just summarized that in like two minutes. So there you go. You're welcome. Um, just saved you from reading a bunch of studies. But... However, that was historically, you know, and that's kind of what they found back in 1980 and like the preceding years. Uh, Then we had like a meta-analysis done in 2012. Then we had another meta-analysis done in like 2022. So recently. Um, The cool thing is, is that more recent research, especially those meta-analyses I talked about, have revealed that interference effects shouldn't really be a main concern for a majority of people most of the time, which is really awesome. That's what we want to see. All right. Especially as mountain bikers or gravel cyclists, right? The downside is that there, that more research basically needs to be done to give us the exact scenarios for us to follow when it comes to our workouts and training, generally speaking. But this is for like coming up with, this is what we need to do exactly. All right. But here's the cool thing. You are N equals one. I am N equals one. I can kind of figure out what works well for me, because I, I kind of know what my biofeedback is, how my body responds to things, what signals I can listen to, sleep, stress response, recovery, you know, how energized I feel, blah, blah, blah. And this is the cool thing with coaching is I'm doing this with my one-on-one clients constantly. And this is what other coaches should do too. So if you've got a coach, maybe it's not me, um, and that's okay. 
you know, then great. That's something you should be talking about with your coach, especially if you are doing strength training with your endurance training as well. Okay. Now, you know, so we might not know exact scenarios or like, you know, protocols is what we call it as coaches in terms of like exact training. But here's the thing. If you're going to do concurrent or hybrid training, bounce ideas off of your coach but get in touch with really how your body responds to certain things, okay? Now, the other thing to say, and I'll go ahead and plug this here because I get this asked quite often is, however, if if you're going to do any type of strength and endurance training on the same exact day, it is believed so far that, you know, just try to separate them a little bit, just by a few hours. Some people suggest like three hours. Some people suggest about six hours as a sweet spot. I personally think everyone is different based on how well fueled you are, how well recovered you are from your last session, how intense your sessions are that day. So I'll give you a perfect case in point. You know, for me today, example, I did a strength training session for my Shred Strong program and it took me like maybe 45 minutes. And then I usually follow that by a few hours later, or even right afterwards, I can, I can do it, uh, zone two training. So super easy. I'm, you know, changing my cadence a little bit. That's it. So I'm doing that on the same day, but they're, they, they were today in particular, they were spread by a few hours, just in particular. Um, just because honestly it was my schedule, you know, because it, it is the weekend. I was a little bit of a weekend warrior, but I did want to spread them by a few hours. Again, I've heard suggestions of three to six hours. I think it's just important for you to be, just be well-fueled. Be well-fueled and be hydrated if you can, just because it'll make it feel a little bit better. Um, and just listen to your body, you know, but those are some, some suggestions I've seen. It, it you know, it's going to vary, I think, by the person. And again, it's going to vary on the intensity that you're going to do that day. So if it is going to be more intense training sessions, you're probably going to want to put them on different days, or you're going to want to split them by more hours to give yourself a little bit more of a recovery from your first training session, whichever training session you did that day. Um, now I'm going to also link in the show notes, a strongerbyscience.com research spotlight on interference effect. If you're not familiar with uh, strongerbyscience.com, I really do recommend Greg Knuckles. He's a fantastic researcher. Uh, you know, or he really is a, quite a nerd, a research nerd when it comes to actually digesting research and really putting it in simple terms. And he does, he did an analysis on the meta-analysis and kind of broke it down for everyone in generally speaking layman's terms, which is fantastic. Um, but I will say a lot of trainers, a lot of exercise physiologists do follow his research. Um, and just really not even his research, but his summaries on the research because they're attainable. They're attainable. They're accessible. A lot of them are free. You can also become a member of his MASS, uh, M-A-S-S, you know, program, which is kind of like a, um, uh, I don't even have it in front of my, my face, but it's basically his research review, you know, kind of like a, a skimmable, skimmable type of, of, uh, like research review, which is pretty cool. But anyways. Uh, you can subscribe to Mass. I am not actually a subscriber to Mass because I am a subscriber to Examine.com. I am a lifetime member of Examine.com because, um, yeah, they're just, you know, 100% unbiased and they don't sell anything. Greg doesn't sell anything except I think he does coaching, but regardless, I will link in the show notes his 
spotlight, research spotlight on this particular meta-analysis that was done recently in 2022. But I'm going to go ahead and read verbatim. These are not my words, so I want to make it clear. I'm not stealing anybody's words. These are his words. So kudos to him. Again, I'm going to link it in the show notes. But what he basically said is as more and more research on the subject is published, it's becoming more and more you know, convincing that the interference effect shouldn't be a major concern for most people, like I just said, right? Most of the time. However, there are a few groups of people who probably need to be a bit more careful. And I'm going to go ahead and summarize this here. First group is if your capacity to recover from training is significantly diminished, this is, you know, we're thinking sleep, we're thinking uh, high levels of stress, you're in a very large caloric deficit, so you're not fueling effectively. You may not be able to handle a substantial amount of simultaneous endurance and resistance training. So please keep that in mind. All right. Again, kind of, I kind of hinted at that earlier, but he says it verbatim here. Second group of people is if you're already stressing your capacity to recover from a given volume of endurance training, then you may struggle to add in a significant amount of resistance training and actually benefit from it. All right. Again, it comes down to recovery. All right. Third group of people is if you're already stressing your capacity to recover from a given volume of strength training, you should be careful about adding in a large amount of endurance training or ramping up any type of endurance training volume too quickly. All right. This is why it's really important if you have a coach to bounce things off of them. If you're not feeling well recovered, if you're just having a difficult time, even difficulty sleeping can be indicative of recovery issues. This is important to talk to your coach about. Okay. And those are my words, not his. I'm kind of going on tangents after I read each of his sentences here. And then the fourth and final group, most importantly, he says, if you have major goals related to explosive strength or power output, Example being that you're a jumping athlete, you know, um, we're thinking like track and field and stuff like that. Then endurance training will likely reduce your, your rate of progress. So just some things to keep in mind. All right. Um, now, you know, generally speaking and, and Greg and, and I both agree on this is that most people will probably fall into that third group that if you're already stressing your capacity to recover from any from a particular given volume of resistance training, then you have to be careful about adding in a large amount of endurance training, okay? Or ramping up things too quickly. This is why it's best to kind of ease into training, all right? See how your body's responding. Temper it, temper the volume. I know for me with stretch strong, like I am tempering the volume year round. So I'm really ebbing and flowing based on the biking season, generally speaking for the Northern Hemisphere, all right? It's, it's important all right. I can't emphasize enough that the key here is that you are well fueled and recovered as best as possible in order to allow for you to get, to get after your training with the vigor and, and excitement that you seek. Okay. Because at the end of the day, overtraining is the biggest obstacle in all of this full stop. That is going to be the most thing. The most important thing to keep in mind is overtraining and then under fueling. All right. And overtraining is going to be signaled by, by, Underfueling or not recovering enough. All right. Endurance athletes, I'm just going to go ahead and say this once, and I've said it time and time again, but endurance athletes, you ideally need strength in order to optimize your mind muscle connection as well as build your power and ability to produce force in your sport, especially if you're a cyclist. You need the ability to power those damn pedals. I cannot emphasize that enough. You know, the more, the more that you can actually power those pedals, the more you're actually going to feel, you know, less fatigued. 
less uh, fatigued, especially when you're climbing. You're going to feel less fatigued after doing a technical feature. You're just going to feel like you can, you can, you can power through things. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. I'm trying to think of a word, but words are escaping me right now. Okay. But what's cool is more strength training you have, the more resistance training you have, then the more resilient you're also going to feel on the bike as well, as well as off the bike. Okay. All right. So check the links in the show notes for that, those studies, as well as the link talking about the winter phase of my shred strong group strength and conditioning program. It's for mountain bikers and gravel cyclists. We start on Monday, November 6th. The deadline to join is Friday, November 3rd, midnight. Follow the link in the show notes to learn more and of course to register. It's literally the same training that I follow myself and I absolutely love. It's my baby, but I know I'm biased. Uh, It does include three strength training sessions a week. One of those is optional so that way you can get in the minimum two strength training sessions a week, as well as a cardio interval session and then multiple mobility and stability sessions every week. So this is actually an ideal strength training session, a strength training program rather to really couple with something else. You know, if you already do something that's on your bike, if you already ride your bike a couple times a week, if you already do intervals programs through, I don't know, Zwift or trainer road, whatever, it's very easy to match it, uh, which is fantastic. And does also include regular Zoom community chats with me to review a wide range of topics. In fact, our first one, we're going to be talking about values and doing a values exercise together during our first one on opening week. And I can't wait because that is a topic I love because the more you're, you identify with your values, the more you can just get shit done. <laughs> All right. The more you can actually have the vigor that you want in life. And regardless, I can go on a tangent, but I hope to see you into the program I also hope that this episode helped you and, you know, kind of made it a little bit clear on interference effect and just ultimately just pay attention to your recovery, pay attention to the signals that your body gives you, make sure that you're recovering as, as optimally as you can, as well as eating as efficiently and effectively as you can and not, not starving yourself. Okay. You gotta, you gotta feel, you gotta feel yourself for that fire that you want. All right. Anyways, I hope you have a beautiful day. If this episode helped you at all, please share it on social media and tag me at shift human performance. And I will catch you next week. If I don't catch you in the shred strong program. All right. Much love to you all. Bye.